Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Chandler Vinoy. Hello, glad to be here. And uh, we are also here with a very special guest today, Timothy Lupfer. Uh, did I say your last name correctly? Um, actually, we pronounce it Lupfer, but don't Lupfer. ask me why, and I was born with it. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, he is author, speaker, leadership consultant, Um I, you know, reading your, your bio is quite interesting because you've, you've done a lot of different things, um, from military side as well as a business side. So, uh, I love the fact that we have somebody with both of those backgrounds simply because sometimes when you're talking about leadership, you'll, you'll hear two different sides (laughs) from those two different groups of people, but you've managed somehow to combine those. Uh, and and really move it forward. So, uh, if you haven't heard of Timothy before, um, I would highly suggest that you take a look at his book, Leadership Tough Love. Uh, you guys know from listening to the podcast, uh, one of the things that we really focus on is bringing clarity so that you can move you know forward wherever you are. Um, and I think one of the things that uh, he's super passionate about is bringing clarity to what leadership actually is being precise about what it actually is in order to be able to develop leaders. And I would say, you know, most of us are, most of us understand we're in the place we're in because we practice leadership placement, not leadership development. Um, but this guy has uh, a lot more to, to say about that. Do you want to, Timothy, would you like to say a little bit more about yourself before we get started? Uh, well, just a little bit. I mean, uh, my life has been an escape from New Jersey, which is where I grew up. <laughs> and um, and I went to West Point, tender age of 17, and then graduated in 1972 and um, was very, very fortunate. And I also received a Rhodes Scholarship, so I studied at Oxford University and then had a 20-year career in the Army, uh, culminating in commanding a tank battalion in combat in Desert Storm which was over 700 soldiers and 58 M1A1 Abrams tanks. And then went into business, uh, was an executive at Macy's. Then I went into management consulting, starting first with McKinsey, and uh, finally ended up at Deloitte Consulting, where I retired as a managing director. Um, But really, I would say my life has been a study of leadership, both observing being a follower and also leading in different uh, different capacities, and I think it's a fascinating topic, and and I hope we can get into uh, why I think we need to define it more clearly. Well, we can. I mean, we can get into it right now. I mean, the you you this may sound completely strange to you, or it may <laughs> sound right on, but. Um, so, McKinsey's seven S framework is basically what we would walk a church through or denomination through in order to find, you know, clarity in their strategy, system, structure, you know, it, it is, it is, uh, it is, I don't, I think all organizations drift toward complexity. They don't drift toward simplicity and they don't certainly don't drift toward clarity. Um, So I would love to start out with that. How would you clearly uh, define leadership for us? And we'll, if, 
We may not ever get to our five questions. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right now because this is this is what we eat, sure. sleep, and breathe. Well, but um, but yeah, go ahead and do that for us. Well, yeah. What I'd like to do first is just very very quick vignette about why I started this. I in 2017, I was home after a trip and catching up on my reading and I was reading a big, you know, one of the very prominent business magazines. And it said uh, the whole magazine was about leadership and it said the world's greatest leaders. And as I'm looking through it, it had the usual suspects, high level politicians and business leaders. But I but I knew the reputations of some of them. And it's like, wait a minute, these people are in high positions, but they're not necessarily good leaders. Hmm. And then I read further on and there was uh, sports stars and pop stars. And I said, wait a minute, these people are extremely good individual performers, but that doesn't mean necessarily that they're great leaders. Um, and so I said, look, look, we need to step back and say what leadership really is. And my, defini my definition of leadership is leadership is a role where you affect followers to achieve the organizational goals. And that's really a pretty standard definition. I think the thing is, though, a lot of times we don't take the time to really think about what we're talking about. Um, and for example, people can be great specialists. These are people who get, you know, they focus their lives on a body of knowledge, uh, a set of abilities or a process or whatever, and they're great. But that doesn't make them leaders because a lot of specialists don't want to have followers. They want to focus on this thing that they've devoted their life to. And that's fine. The problem is too many organizations pick these people out and say, oh, I'm going to make you a leader. And they don't want to be a leader and they shouldn't be a leader. Um, so what I'm saying is let's step back. Think of what leaders really do, because you don't have leaders without followers. And some people are very good at handling followers and stepping into that role. And some people aren't. And I think organizations make a mistake when they don't distinguish between these types of roles. I'm sure stepping into the business world, I know you, you mentioned where all your steps were along that path, but before that you were, you were serving in the army, you were serving in the military. What would you say that kind of background? Cause I'm sure stepping in, you kind of stepped in and saw leadership in the business world a little bit different than it looked like when you were in the military. What did the differences look like? And then what did you bring into the business space that you felt like was helpful? It's a very good question. And then there are some differences. First of all, in the military, you get uh, leadership responsibility, whether you're an enlisted person or an officer, you get leadership responsibility fairly early on. And the other thing is the authority in the military is very well defined. And authority is part of leadership. I consider authority one of the two tools, two tools being authority, which is top down and influence, which is more bottom up. Uh, and they're both part of leadership. And authority is not a dirty word. <laughs> it's part and parcel of being a leader. Do people abuse it? Of course. But it's still a very important tool. And so I'd say the big differences I saw between the military and businesses, first of all, in the military, people get defined leadership responsibilities early on. And that's important because leadership takes practice. The second thing is authority was very well defined in the military. One of the things I found that made, I think, things difficult, particularly for young leaders in business, 
is a lot of times their authority is not well-defined. For example, do they evaluate the people that they're leading? That's huge. Um, and it's very important to know that because that is a form of authority that a leader can have, meaning having to evaluate other people. If that's not clear, I think it makes the role of a young leader more difficult. So one of my recommendations when I've been in business is to say, look, let's let's make the authority clear because people need to know what authority they have and very importantly, what authority they don't have, because you never want to overstep that either when you're trying to be a leader. Hmm. Okay, so um, what's the relationship between authority and ownership? Because we know if somebody, if there's nobody that owns it, uh, it's it's not going to get done, whatever it is. What? How do you see that correlate? Well, the way that I put authority in the context is it's one of the two key tools that leaders use, authority and influence. Those are the two tools that leaders use. And the difference is that authority is the decision-making authority that you're given by the organization in the position you're in. And so it is top-down, it's based on the hierarchy. And we will always have hierarchies, they are inevitable. And that's what authority is. What influence is, is your ability to personally interact with people. And both of these tools are very important for leaders and I think one of the key things is leaders need to know which time which is appropriate. And I will say this, I have never observed any capable leader who did not know how to use both tools, influence and authority. Uh, I have never seen a leader who could just influence people and everybody said, oh, this is great, and they do everything. Haven't seen it, don't think that exists. That is, I think that's really, that's really insightful um, because I can think of people who were too influential in an organization for their own good. Um, you know, they may have been great at politics or they may have been great at, you know, they, they were just likable. Um, whereas on the other side of it, I've seen people who, you know, were authoritarian in nature and I had never really thought about that before, but that is a really, really uh, good point. Well, another thing to think about is let's say that you're a leader and you've been given the responsibility to go into an organization or a group um, that has been underperforming or that has been displaying some very bad behavior. And you as a leader have to change that. Um, I guarantee you there are going to be times that you're just you're going to have to use authority because people will resist that. You know, they'll resist the idea that they've got to change or they've been underperforming. And there are times that you simply have to say, no, these are the standards and this is the way it's going to be. That's using authority. And people need to know how to do that. And it's not pleasant and it's not fun, uh, but it's necessary. And uh, the analogy I use is if you've ever raised a two-year-old and now I have some grandchildren who are two-year-olds, uh, you have to tell that two-year-old you don't go play in the street. And that two-year-old can't grasp why, but he better understand that mommy and daddy say you don't play in the street. Right. That's really good. 
Well, let's move to the the five leadership questions here. We'll get started with the first one. I know you were talking about reading a magazine that was on leadership and ended up finding it not as helpful maybe as you wanted to, but it sounds like you're continually learning and wanting to to learn about leadership, invest in that area. Who would you say you're currently learning from? Well, if, if I can turn the question over just a teeny bit, um, what I'd like to say is I actually started out when I was going to school because I'd look at teachers and I, I try to figure out what makes this teacher effective and what makes this teacher ineffective. And, and I went to public school, uh, starting out in the state of New York and then in New Jersey when my family moved to New Jersey. And it was very interesting to see what made teachers effective and what made them ineffective. Uh, and I started to develop some themes from that. And, and basically that type of observation has continued. And just real quickly, what I observed was the effective teacher was not ashamed of the body of knowledge that they were trying to convey. On the contrary, they would say, this is important stuff. I'm here to convey it to you because it's important. They were unapologetic about that. And they also understood authority because they were basically saying, look, I know this material and I'm going to convey it to you. And that's why we're here. Um, now, the other thing is, too, the good teachers were always very competent because they did know their material. I had some teachers that didn't, but most of them did know their material. Um, the teachers that I saw that didn't work out very well, particularly in the beginning, were teachers who tried to be chummy and friendly, uh, you know, basically pretend they were friends. This is, by the way, I'm talking about elementary school and secondary school here. Um then they would eventually have to rein everybody in and reestablish authority. Uh, the teachers who established their authority early, I found were much more effective than the others. And I've basically been continuing that observation ever since. And, and I continue it now. So what's the main point of emphasis uh, for you and your work right now? Well, as I said before with the, with the magazine, uh, my main point of emphasis right now is let's be precise about what we're talking about. Um, as a culture, I think we Americans tend to be somewhat uh, vague and muddled about many of the words and, def and, well, many of the words we use because we don't bother to define them. Um, and I think we need to be a lot more precise. And leadership's one of those words in my experience with the magazine illustrates it. The magazine was basically saying, oh, these people are in high positions, they must be great leaders, which is not true at all. And the magazine really didn't define what they were talking about in terms of leadership. Um, and so my point of emphasis is let's be clear. Let me give you a couple of examples that I think don't work in terms of they're vague or whatever. Um, here's a list of 22 things that makes you a leader. Um, those sorts of things, in my opinion, are worthless. Uh, our brains can't handle 22 things anyway. We're never <laughs> gonna remember those. Uh, so things need to be distilled down better. Um, and when somebody writes a book and says, uh, I've been a great leader and here's why, and they never mention the fact that luck or good fortune may play a role, uh, I get a little suspicious because a lot of times the context is extremely important on how successful or unsuccessful someone's going to be. So what I'm saying is let's step back. Let's look at what it really is. 
Let's understand that not everyone's a leader. Not everyone wants to be a leader. That's fine. Let's not confuse them. That's very helpful. I mean, like you said, it's easy to have vague, really no definitions around words, and we just throw them around. They're buzzwords and um, that's, that's a good distinction there. Now, what would you say? I know you talked about authority and influence and you said, okay, 22, <laughs> 22 ways to be a leader is not the effective way to do that. What are, what are three key elements for leaders? Well, what I've tried to do based on research and observation is to distill down what are the things that followers respond to most effectively. And so I did come up with three things. And I call them the three key elements. These are the things that leaders must do to affect their followers. And those are first, give direction. Secondly, demonstrate capabilities in their role. And the third one is to embody character. So those are the three key elements. And would you say those are in any particular order or all three are necessary all at once? No, that's a great question. And when I initially started doing this and I was, uh, I did leadership development in some companies and I gave some presentations, I present these things as a Venn diagram, you know, the three circles intersecting. And one day it was a very, very sophisticated group. They said, you know, Tim, this is great and this sounds super, but why are there so many bad leaders out there and they get away with it? Hmm. And, and I was crushed. Uh, and I said, oh my God, back to the drawing board. And I looked at my three elements and I realized that they're not just abstractions floating there, uh, but rather they're dependent upon each other. And so I changed my diagram and instead I have them as building blocks. And I first have now at the bottom giving direction, then I have in the middle demonstrating capabilities, and then on the top I have character. Hmm. And here's why, and it's, it's, it's a, and this is a pure observation on my part now, Character is the secret sauce of very inspiring leadership because character is those sets of values that you carry with you. And that's what you connect with other people, especially emotionally. However, and this is a huge, however, character is only effective in a leader if it rests on an existing foundation of giving direction and demonstrating capabilities. In other words, character can't have its effect until you've already demonstrated that you're capable and you can give direction. So good intentions alone won't cut it. Uh, so in other words, there's a dependency there. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. What's the, what's the connection or um, what's the danger of uh, your charisma outrunning your character as you rise <laughs> as a leader? <laughs> now, that's uh, that's a great question because I I have this thing, besides not liking the list of 22 things that we can never remember, <laughs> um, the other thing I, I really, really, really get upset with is this idea that, uh, oh, I can teach you charisma and you want to be charismatic and all that. And once again... It's a word that I feel is overused. Um, and so I say, let's stay, step back a bit. First of all, we very often use this term charismatic when people are already successful. Mm. And so we say, well, you know, he or she is so charismatic. Well, we're really saying that after the fact. 
And a lot of times success uh, sort of gives this facade of charisma, but it's really not the case. It's the fact that this person's already well-known uh, or already successful. What charisma really is, you go back to the root of it, it's from the Greek, meaning a gift. And a true charismatic person is somebody you've never met them before, you know nothing about them, and they walk in the room and you are mesmerized. And every bit of skepticism or doubt drifts away. And you just, a little switch turns on and actually neurologically it appears this really can happen. A little switch turns on and it's, you know, whatever you say, I'm with you. And um, I gotta say short of uh, one person after whom our calendar is marked, uh, I don't think the rest of us are charismatic, nor do I think we should be. And where we have had examples of people who have been truly charismatic, other than, like I say, the person after whom our calendar is dated, um, it's been a disaster. Uh, just recently, if you think of Jim Jones in the late 1970s, uh, you know, he was a very uh, influential person in San Francisco, and he got a lot of people to follow him. Uh, and the politicians in San Francisco, probably from both parties, loved him. And, you know, he was given awards. And then he takes his followers into Guyana, over 900 people. And uh, it's a pretty abusive, crazy place. And a congressman comes to investigate. They shoot and kill the congressman. And then he has all of his followers commit suicide, over 900 people. And he does too. Um, that's the danger of charisma. Um, for the vast majority of us, leadership's hard work. There's no magic bean. You know, there's no elixir. Uh, there's no 22 lists of good things. <laughs> it takes a lot of work. Uh, let us not think that we can be charismatic. We don't want to be. And as followers, we don't want charismatic leaders because we don't want to, you know, switch that switch off. Because that leads to real trouble. Um, if I could, because I, you know, I, I know you've got other questions. I do have one story that I think nails it on charisma. If I could tell it to you, is that okay? Go for it. I think uh, before I'd just like to point out, I, I think that it's it's also really interesting. You pointed out the Greek, um, uh, you know, word where charisma comes from. I mean, this, the same root word is connected with grace as well. It's also a gift. Um, <laughs> um, but I just think that that's really interesting in that you see that used in two very, very different ways. Um, mm -hmm. But please, uh, please share with us that story. Okay, yeah. Uh, while I was in the Army, I also went back to West Point to teach. And one day, one of the senior officers took me and said, I want you to go meet this guy. And he was the head librarian of West Point. And his name was Aegon Weiss. And uh, so I sat down with Aegon and, and he was, you know, a generation older than I. This is in the 1980s when I met him. And he told me his story. And Aegon was an Austrian Jew living in Vienna. And he was a teenager in 1938 when Austria was absorbed into the Third Reich into Nazi Germany. And Hitler was coming to Vienna in triumph to mostly adoring crowds. 
Now, Aegon's family, being Jewish, knew that this was bad and they were getting ready to leave and thank God they did. But Aegon, who was a teenager, said to his father, he said, I, I wanna go hear this guy speak, Hitler, this guy who's caused so much trouble for us. And Aegon's father wasn't too keen on the idea, but Aegon persisted and, he, and Aegon said, look, I'll, I'll blend into the crowd, you know, I'll be okay. So his father relented and Aegon went, joined in the crowd to hear Hitler speak. And at this point in relating to this, Aegon looked at me very, very seriously, very kindly, but very seriously. And he said to me, and Hitler was the greatest orator I have ever heard. Hmm. And I've never forgotten that story because to me, that really tells you the danger of charisma. Uh, it can it can go in the wrong place. Uh, and that's why it's, it's really dangerous and it's not something we should aspire to. It's not something most of us will have anyway, fortunately, but let's not go there. I like the way that you framed those three elements on the fact that <laughs> you have to have all three. So it's just a reminder for those listening. You can be working on giving direction and the other element, but you also have to be working on your character. And that way, when you do get in that leadership position, that the character will hold you there. Um, so just a great reminder. So let's move on to the next question here, which is what are two or three things you absolutely must do daily and that they benefit your life and leadership? Well, for me, it's a balance of two things. Uh, any time that you're leading people, and really any time you're interacting with people too, and that is the balance between your self-interest and their needs or their self-interest. Um, I'm very suspicious of any leader who says to his or her followers, um, your self-interest is important, you just have to throw yourself into this cause um, you know, period. Um, you know, when, when that comes from a, a fellow human being, we need to be suspicious. Why? Because our self-interest is always with us. Um, but to be most effective, we need to recognize the self-interest of others as well and try to work in a way where these things are not mutually exclusive. Mm. And I have observed in most things in life, I believe, um, particularly the things in the long term, these are not automatically mutually exclusive. We can figure out ways to uh, benefit both our own self-interest and the self-interest of others. Um, I don't think we should ever deny that we have our own self-interest, but we can't be so consumed in ourselves that we're utterly blind to the self-interest of others because they're fellow human beings. They have that too. And so when it comes to leadership, this is why, by the way, in the definition, organizational goals is so important. The goals of leadership are not for you individually all the time exclusively. People are not training aids for your own glorification. You're leading people to achieve an organizational goal, and that is to benefit everybody who's in it. Um, you know, it, it's not all about you. Uh, you do have an interest in success, obviously, but so do other people. And so to me, that's the real 
That's the real key. And I think it's something we have to do all the time. Balance your own self-interest with the interests of others. So I'm going to move on to uh, to the last question here, and that is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self about leadership and preparing to lead? I mean, you know, you, you entered the military early on, um, and I'm I'm sure you matured quickly um, <laughs> compared to most. <laughs> but what would you tell your 20-year-old self about leadership? Well. When I look at look back uh, at myself, I was a 20 year old. I was a cadet at West Point, and one of the great things about West Point is it is organized so that you do get rotating leadership positions with your peers, uh, with the underclassmen and the like. Uh, so you get a you get a heck of a lot of practice, which which is great. But what I would say to any 20 year old is, first of all, if you're aspiring to be a leader, which is fine. First of all, are you ready to take on that emotional burden? Because you're going to be dealing with humans. Leadership is all about human beings. You don't lead a balance sheet. You know, you don't lead a process. The only thing you ever lead is human beings. You can manage a lot of other resources, but you lead humans. So I'd say to the 20-year-old, are you ready to take that on? Because it's a big risk-reward. You know, dealing with fellow humans can be ultimately rewarding and it can also be risky and people can break your heart. Um, so are you ready to take that on? And if the answer is yes, then are you ready to practice so that you're going to be able to give people direction, that you can demonstrate the capabilities in your role to them so they have con confidence in your competence? And then most importantly, do you have a set of values that can resonate with the people you're leading because that's going to be the connection that's going to make or break you in terms of being inspiring. That's really good. Well, Timothy, just thank you so much for spending time with us today. We've, uh, we've greatly appreciated uh, you, your background and, and your insight into leadership. Um, I really appreciate that you're trying to bring, bring clarity to what that is. <laughs> Um, and defining things is super important because you're right, especially in this day and age, everybody has a, uh, they think they have a unique perspective. <laughs> 20, 22 do. ways to lead, right? 22 <laughs> ways to lead. Um, but uh, really helping us get to a place um, where we can define where we are and, and move forward. So thanks for spending time with us today. Well, thanks very much for having me and I hope it helps. Thank you. And for those listening, uh, if you haven't already done so, please hop on to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Thanks for listening. See ya.